0: A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, you, son of man, I have appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me. If I tell the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his way. The wicked shall die for his guilt but I will hold you responsible for his death. But if you warn the wicked, trying to turn him from his way, and he refuses to turn from his way, he shall die for his guilt, but you shall save yourself." The word of the Lord. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him.
1: If today you hear his voice, Heart and
0: your come let us bow down in worship let us kneel before the lord who made us for he is our god and we are the people he shepherds the flock he guides
1: if today you hear Him. Harden your
0: Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me. They tested me though they had seen my works.
1: If today you hear his voice, harden not your
0: hearts. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, You shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor, hence love is the fulfillment of the law. The word of the Lord. I am your servant, Lord, speak to me, you have the words of everlasting life.
1: Alleluia, Alleluia,
0: Alleluia,
1: Alleluia. the lord be with you. and with your spirit. a reading from the holy gospel according to matthew. Glory to you, o lord. jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. if he listens to you, you have won over your brother. if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. So that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, Amen. I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. Beloved, I believe it's safe to say that hands down, One of the most difficult, one of the most challenging aspects of discipleship, that of denying oneself, taking up the cross daily, and following Jesus, is that of forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation. And what we have presented to us today in this, the 18th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew, verses 15 through 20, is a missive, it's a directive specifically to the apostles who have been vested with the authority of the person of Jesus the Christ to forgive sins and to bind in his name. We heard how this was, vested in, to, was granted to Peter about two weeks ago. But we notice they are not being given the keys, which represent the primacy, but they are being given a share as being authoritative in interpretation of the law and the application of the law as it pertains to the pastoral good of the entire mystical body of Christ, the church, the mission of the church. Why does the church exist? To evangelize the entire world. Go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and know that I am with you always, even until the end of the age or the end of the world. So it's important for us to hear this in the context in which it's being communicated. But as you know, what is entrusted to the head of the body also permeates to every single membership of the body. Jesus is giving them the process by which differences that arise when iniquity rises up in the church in such a manner that an individual brother or a group of brothers or sisters in the community must be fraternally corrected, this is how you are to go about it. And you notice what is, what is part and parcel of this? It, Be attentive to the personal and the private. Go to them directly, one-on-one. Speak to them from a heart that's filled with compassion, from a heart of love. Speak to them. Unveil the issue as it is. Appeal to their sensitivity. And if it is received well, you have won over your brother or sister. But if there's resistance, if there's some recalcitrance there, an obstinacy, bring in another, at least one, at least one other person to present the issue again. If no progress, then bring it to the church. But what very often happens when something like this happens to you, I, where do we bring it? To all of our friends, maybe to the social media, and to anybody else who will listen. And that becomes what? An explosion of gossip and all kinds of things for a situation that needs to be dealt with in a manner that's intimate and true to the way Jesus deals with you and I. When we recognize something we've done wrong or when something is brought to us, to our attention, by someone who loves us, who cares for us, it's not easy sometimes to receive the correction at the time. It's never easy. But after we step back from it and we put things in perspective, we we take it to the Lord and we acknowledge, you know what, it's true. I, didn't like, I don't like acknowledging this about myself, but it's true. Our own personal sins, oftentimes we're blind to it because one of, the root, one of the root foundations of sin is that of selfishness. It's a self-centered disposition. Sometimes so self-centered, we're blind to our own issues. But it's glaringly obvious to everyone else. You know, if I had an opportunity to bring just together a group of married couples all together for a one-day retreat, for a couple of hours, and we come to the confession, the time to offer the sacrament of reconciliation, I guarantee you. I could separate, have have the wife come in and confess the sins of the husband, have the husband come in and confess the sins of the wife, and it would be point on point. It's the way it is. But the issue for all of us is what? What do we struggle with? What is one of the greatest things that most people shy away from? We do not like conflict. We do not like tension. And yet in a paradoxical way, it's in the context of conflict and tension that growth, that change happens. Purposeful growth and change happen. We are given examples of this in the gospel. Probably one of the most powerful examples is the woman caught in a very act of adultery. You remember that they came and they're parading this woman two before Jesus, set up before Jesus, the elders leading everybody, stones in hand. Hey, this woman was caught in a very act of adultery. According to the Mosaic law, such a person should be stoned. What do you have to say? So, what does Jesus do? He goes straight, headstrong, right into the tension. He embraces the tension, which was so thick you could cut it with a knife. And what does he do? He sets the situation in a way that each person there is face to face with their own failings. You who are here without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Well, then we saw the movement. Stones are dropping and people are dispersing. Jesus doesn't excuse this woman. He doesn't excuse her. He calls her to realize what has happened. Has anyone condemned you? No one, sir, neither have I. Now go and sin no more. Sin is not something we, ne- we can negotiate with. It's not something that can be left unchecked with us individually or as a body of believers in the community. It must be dealt with. And if a person is of a disposition where they're not open, they're not open to change in their mind about that particular sin, and we're talking about a grievous sin, a sin that's unto death, as we hear presented to the prophet Ezekiel. If I prompt you, son of man, To go and speak to the wickedness of one of your brothers and sisters and you fail to do so, then understand this. That person will die as a result of that sin, but the, the blood is on you, you're responsible. So this is the challenge, is it not? We live in a very permissive culture, one that is characterized by moral relativism, you have no right to tell me what to do in my house. I'm, what's, what, what I do is my business. What you do is your business. What's my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. My God is my God. Your God is your God. This is very pervasive, and yet this is not This is not the tradition of the, of the gospel that Jesus Christ brings to us. In fact, the directives that he gives emanates from the 19th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, verse 15, where the prescription is laid out for how to bring about a reconciliation in the context of something that has come about in the community that needs to be addressed. So Jesus isn't inventing something new. He's affirming it and confirming it, giving it to the apostolic body, the, 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 the episcopacy of the bishops, and that power, that authority is extended to the priest to extend that to. And there are, of course, the rest of the rest, mystical body of Christ. Each one of us share in the priestly character, the, the prophetic character, and the royal character of Lord Jesus Christ by virtue of baptism. So all of us share with this. So what's an example of what we're being challenged with? What we're being called to? To highlight, to bring to someone's attention a failing that is affecting you and others in the community. Let's say you're in the public restroom. You're coming out and you notice a person's leaving out and the, paper, the toilet paper, is hanging out of their clothes. Now, obviously it's a very uncomfortable situation, <laughs> but you're thinking hopefully, gosh, what if that were me? You say, oh, excuse me, hold, hold, I don't, don't take me, don't take this the wrong way, but listen, look, you gotta, <laughs> come step back and look in the mirror, look, can you see? And first of all, they're going to be, obviously, they'll be embarrassed. Oh, my goodness, they'll be embarrassed. But, oh, thank you so much. But let's say we fail to do that. Can you imagine the postings that are going to be on social media of that person walking around with toilet tissue, hanging out of their clothing? And we say we love one another. We say we strive to love one another as God loves us. St. Paul says it this way, Brothers and sisters owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now understand, love doesn't mean, don't equate love with feelings and emotions. That's how it's oftentimes understood. That can be a fruit of the action of love. Love is faith in action. No greater love, Jesus says, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So it's an action emanating from the gift of faith. Love encapsulates the entire body of the gospel. The law and the prophets, everything is perfected in love. So when we bring to a brother or sister's attention something that is happening that is offensive to us and of gain, it's con- 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 contributing to a lot of problems in the larger community. It's not our responsibility to change that person. That's their, they have to do that. They have to be willing to do what's necessary to bring about the change. It's our responsibility in charity to tell them what's going on. That's it. And we do it with the motivation that we will their good purely as other. The most fundamental proof that we have of God's love for us is our very existence. You would not exist if God did not love you. And that goes for everybody. Again, you don't have to like the person. You don't have to, none of that. It's a matter of identifying that reality. This person, I don't get along with them. In fact, I I really wish, you know, sometimes, huh? I really wish. It's like this woman married to her husband for a long time, walked in on her husband, 92 years old, in bed with another woman. She was so furious. She took him, they were in a high rise uh, apartment. She took him and threw him off the balcony and he fell to his death. So when she was questioned about it, the judge asked her, ma'am, what what were you thinking? She said, I'll tell you what I was thinking. If at the age of 92, he was able to get in bed with another woman after all these years with me, then he surely was able to fly. That's how angry she was. And that oftentimes happens to us, huh? We're so angry about something that's done, we're not thinking about moral principles and nothing. We're emotionally charged, we're upset, and God, he's gonna get it or she's gonna get it, and I don't care. Well, it's now, after the fact, what have I done? Indeed, what have you done? But even such an action is forgivable, provided the person truthfully and honestly recognizes the error of their ways repents, seeks the mercy of God, and the forgiveness is granted. However, retribution still has to be made. A life has been taken. Now what that will be, the courts will discern that and decide that. So here we are, on this 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. And know this, the directive that we are being given collectively in the light of what the authority of the church has been entrusted with by Jesus, is by no means an easy easy situation. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it's impossible for you and I to act on this directive apart from the amazing grace of God. We cannot will the good of the other purely as other apart from the grace of God. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. And it's hard for us to imagine such a love, isn't it? That someone would love us this much, no strings attached. It's like you watch these commercials. They're offering you the entire world, and you're saying, well, what's the catch? (laughs) Because there's always a catch, the fine print, whatever. It's there. But Jesus, there is no catch. The only catch he has, if you want to call it a catch, what does he desire for us in return? Give me your whole heart. Give me your whole mind, all your strength love me in this way, reciprocate, follow me in this way, and together we will fulfill my Father's will. And what is the will of the Father? That I lose nothing of what he gave me. What has the Father given his Son? Everything has been given over to me by my Father in heaven and on earth. Everything. All power, all authority entrusted to us his mystical body, the church. And this is rep- represented to us in the most profound and powerful way in the second part of the liturgy. As we, come before, as we come before the Lord to receive him sacramentally on the hand, on the tongue, or through the blessing, because you know the way that leads to heaven is not an easy situation, but God has made provisions for every circumstance under heaven. Come with an open heart, with a heart that is malleable, that is able to receive this amazing gift. Trust in the Lord that you, in receiving the blessing or the sacrament, are being empowered with everything you need to owe nothing to anyone except to love the other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For it's the truth. God was reconciling the world in himself in Christ and entrusting to us the message and the vision of reconciliation. Where two or more gather in my name. And this is again, the apostles, where two or more of the apostles gather in his name. This would be like an ecumenical council, the Council of Trent, the Council of Ephesus, the Council of Vatican I, Vatican II. When they gather in that way, Jesus assures them, I am there, and everything that you discern under the guidance of the Spirit will be ratified in heaven as it is on earth. This is some kind of a power. This is an amazing, unfathomable mercy and love entrusted to us God in the person of Jesus the Christ. Let us not miss the opportunity to fully participate in this work. God love you.